Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, life is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my daughter and co-host, Lauren, oh, I almost said Lauren Luciani, Lauren Simonian, my newlywed daughter. Welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed. Teaching you to become your own best coach. Lauren, how are you this week? I'm doing well. I'm still getting used to the Simonian last name also, so (laughs) Lauren Luciani still sounds fluid to me. Yeah, how long have you been married now? Let's see. Uh, it's almost our three-month anniversary. Wow. Can we celebrate that? No. We no. have to wait a full Remember year. Remember last week we were talking about saying no? <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, you have man. to wait a full year. <laughs> All right. You know, we're, this, this uh, podcast is going to be about what I call psychological maturity. And it's, it's, a, it's a rather vague and, and nebulous concept, but we'll, we'll try to pin it down as best we can. And, and the way to get into this, I'm going to read a, um, an email that was sent to us through our website, selfcoaching.net. And it's sent by a person named Dave. And Dave writes, whenever my wife and I argue, she always winds up telling me that I'm immature and that I'm acting like a baby. I'm not sure if it's because I usually insist on winning the argument, no matter what, or something else. I'm not exactly sure what she means. Could you please explain what psychological maturity looks like? So that's our challenge this week, Lauren. What does psychological maturity look like? Would you like to start or would you like me to start? Well, I I would just like to say that, you know, Dave is a married man, so obviously he's He's a little bit older than a child, but I think sometimes people believe that with age comes maturity, and I don't always believe that that's true. I think that maturity is actually something that requires awareness and attention and a commitment to growth. So I think that you can develop maturity at any age, but it does take uh, effort, not just time. Yeah, it's interesting you say it comes with age. Uh, I'm always thinking of the uh, Swiss psychiatrist, uh, Carl Jung, and he said, which which I tend to agree with, that adolescence stops at 30. You know, I think, you know, because the frontal lobes are developing through the 20s, you know, our, our critical awareness and judgment is still forming up until around 30. So I don't disagree with the fact that some kind of physiological maturity really has its beginning after those frontal lobes are, you know, that's the judgment area of the brain, the decision-making. So I tend to think that age, it's more than just a a number. It's also a maturation internally as well as externally. I'm sure you must agree with that. (laughs) I do agree with that. I also think sometimes we can be triggered backward into immaturity. Um, And for me, I know that that happens when I am uncomfortable. If I'm really tired or really hungry, those are my two triggers. Um, Sometimes that'll sort of push me backward into reacting more in a childlike way than than I normally would. Hmm. See, uh, I I don't relate to that because I never act in an immature way. 
<laughs> and that's debatable. But just just by saying what I just said, if someone says, "Well, I I'm never immature," that that's an immature statement, isn't it? Because there is that part of all of us that at one time or another, you know, we kind of dip back into that old reflexive child. I actually call it the child reflex. So we're not immune to immaturity, but the mature person has mastered the fine art of handling life. How about that as a definition? I like that. Yes. Yeah. You know, the fine art of handling life as opposed to avoiding life, uh, Circum, uh, circumventing life. So, so the mature person has learned to, uh, to kind of stabilize themselves in a way to handle what comes their way. Now, the way to understand that is to contrast it to a child. And children are totally dependent on their parents to handle life as, as it should be. And what happens is that with that dependency, some young people cling even more to that dependency because of insecurity. And they actually reach adulthood still looking for the proverbial parent. Sometimes it's in a partner, sometimes it's with a therapist. You know, we, we tend to want others, if we're in this insecure place, if we're in this immature place, we're looking to others to handle life for us. D do you see that with, with immature people you might have come across in your life? That they're looking for others yeah. to help. They, they yeah. externalize the need rather than looking within for answers or stability or courage. They, they're constantly, you know, like the wandering, um, the wandering somebody. Hmm. It was the wandering somebody who, <laughs> who is looking for this, always looking and never finding. And I'll hmm. think of it later and I'll just spit it out irreverently. Uh, so, but but basically, that person is someone who is always looking for an answer to come from the outside in, opposed mm. to the inside out. Maybe that's another way of talking about uh, immaturity. It is it is really uh, not finding what you need from the inside out. Yeah, and then also it's not satiating. So whatever answers you find from the outside or from an from an external crutch are not going to last for long flying so dutchman that was it oh jeez <laughs> the flying the dutchman out of me. The flying <laughs> i told you i was gonna blurt it out wow <laughs> talk about maturity that impulsivity you've got there is... oh that's a good point oh. you, you're right that 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 was an immature outburst mm. but considering the context of our relationship in this podcast <laughs> i think we can justify it Okay. Yes. Give, give me a pass on that. Okay. As long as you have awareness around it, I would say we'll let it slide. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> you probably have no idea where you were when I blurted that out. No, that's okay. I'm excited that it's no longer the wandering something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think. What was I talking about? Um, <laughs> sorry. I don't the, even the know. The internalization of what we need. I think that's where we were. Oh yes, yeah. Because if you're constantly looking looking for something outside of yourself, you're going to be searching forever. You're never going to find a way to fill that void that needs to come from the from the inside. Yeah, I, I, I'm often telling people whether it's a, a shrink, a guru, a shaman, no one's going to really give you ultimately what you need. People can guide you, they can suggest the path. 
but you need to be on that path. And if you're not on the path and you're waiting for someone to traverse the path for you, well, that's immaturity, right? Yeah, I'd agree. Are you on the path? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm on the path. I hope so. Hmm, I've just come to a fork in the road, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm a little, if I cut up a little bit today, you know, I went down that wrong fork, but I'll get back. I'm sure you will. Otherwise, we'll call you the wandering <laughs> <Yeah>. podcaster. <laughs> so where would you like to go with this? There's many forms of immaturity, but let's let's try to isolate some along the way. I'll, I'll throw one out there and then I'll ask you for some other examples. But one that I would throw out would be passive aggressiveness. Someone who doesn't have the courage to be upfront and honest and take responsibility for their feelings will often find an undercurrent way of sticking it to someone that annoys them or bothers them. So they're, they're, really, they're really coming across one way, which is very superficial, but really kind of stabbing in another. So, you know, the, the passive aggressiveness, someone who can't be honest, someone who can't be responsible for their own feelings, that's a, that's a kind of immaturity. It's a little bit of a stretch, but don't you agree? I do. I think that that is probably at the root of, of self-esteem. And I think when it comes to maturity, if, if you're really looking to grow in your psychological maturity, the three ways to do that are to enhance your self-awareness, your self-esteem, and your self-efficacy. And so I think in the example that you are given, giving um, about people always blaming others, I think that that has to do with self-esteem mm. because if you don't feel as though you can handle it if you're wrong or you did something that wasn't correct then of course you're going to project it outward instead of taking the, the time to understand and learn from from your mistake yeah you know self-esteem I, I would put a slash after that self-esteem insecurity the more insecure a person is and to me, it's insecurity is synonymous with lack of self-trust. The more we distrust ourselves to handle life itself or what comes along the path, and not the fork path, but the right path, we, you know, we really, if we don't have that trust muscle, then we need to find ways to, to kind of take care of ourselves. And a lot of those ways are immature ways. Take, for example, avoidance. Now, someone with low self-esteem or insecurity or lack of self-trust, it's, it's much more convenient, uh, if not imperative, for them to avoid a lot of situations. Not making a phone call that might be a bit uncomfortable, not being honest with someone, those kinds of things where we avoid life and not take responsibility, those are cowardly ways of going forward. Would coward and courageous be the two opposite, that the one with maturity is the courageous person, the one without acts in, in more cowardly ways? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I think that the mature, what a sign of maturity is being able to uh, understand and give space for difficult emotions to arise. So being vulnerable is, is part of being mature. Yeah. But... You know, just, just listening to what you're saying, I think we have to make a point, a very important point, and that's that not all immaturity is neurotic or bad. Uh, there are certain expressions of our own immaturity, like the Flying Dutchman, that, that, can, <laughs> that can be 
part of a, a healthy, mature person's life. Now, again, I'm, I'm being defensive. I'm trying to get you to agree that, that I am truly a mature person who, who likes to, has a sense of humor. But, but let's talk a little bit about the healthy aspect of immaturity. And we can go back to the unhealthy aspect, the immaturity. But how do we let that, that child come out and play, whether we call it immaturity or just letting the child come out and play, whatever you want to call it. But sometimes being immature is having fun, right? Mm, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess you could call that immature. We all have that inner child that is part of us always. It's just that as we grow older, sometimes we don't give it space to arise probably because we're trying to live lives of maturity. But deep down, we all have the ability to live that spontaneous, joy-filled, wonder kind of existence that when it comes out through play, we can actually feel what it was like mm -hmm. when, we were, when we were children. Absolutely. Totally right. Uh, would you mind if I bring up a certain, I'll call him a person for now. Certain, oh, I know exactly who you're going to bring up. A certain Cabbage Patch doll called Quinty. Yes. You, you, you do there. mind? Oh, you don't mind. Okay. No, I don't mind. Uh, Lauren uh, grew up with a Cabbage Patch doll called Quinty. Quinton was his real name. And we, we yes. gave him that little abbreviated name. Not that it matters. <laughs> it was just more fitting for his personality. And from a very, well, how old were you when you got Quinty? I believe I was three. That young, huh? Well, yeah. from three on, I gave Quinty a voice, and you you got a big kick out of it. You know, Quinty talked someone like, hey, I don't want to go here. And he was always kind of nasty, wasn't he? He really was, which is kind of funny. But just to clarify also, you would always tell me, and I still almost believe it because of how many times you've told me throughout the years, that he would use your voice in order to speak. So the words were coming from his Cabbage Patch head, but he had this sort of like symbiotic relationship with your voice. So you would tell these like insane stories that we would begin to believe, but go ahead. Now, now, as you got older, now certainly not when you were three, four or five years old, but as you got older, Quinty got naughty, didn't he? And and one of the things, I think you were in college, but we still had Quinty's voice around and Quinty wanted to partake in adult beverages. But since since he couldn't, uh, he didn't have a mouth, of course. So how, so he, he he kept telling you, you know, he would dip his porous hand into the drink, and then through osmosis, he would he would be able to imbibe. So so Quinty was naughty. He he liked to drink. He liked to antagonize people. And what he enjoyed most were family gatherings. And this is rather interesting. Let's let's take Quinty and use it in terms of mature immaturity. And at family gatherings, Quinty became a hit. Everybody would request, where's Quinty? Where's Quinty? And then he'd come out and he would be, you know, his naughty, derogative, snarky self. And, and everyone kind of loves it. And they, they treated him. And, to, and you tell me if I'm right. They didn't, they weren't treating me talking through Quinty. They treated Quinty as if he were an actual person. There was this, this almost, what would you call that? Yeah, I, I, he was completely uh, personified, but also you're speaking as if this was in the past tense. I mean, this is still an active part of our family gatherings, so you should just shift well, the we, tense. We have some wonderful nieces, they're twins, and Quinty would call them the devil girls. And yeah. and one, one I guess it was Thanksgiving, I, I don't remember what holiday it was, but 
Uh, one time I found Quinty in the fireplace, <laughs> thereby none other than the devil girls getting back at Quinty. So there's a little passive aggressiveness for you. But I, but I guess the, the point I'm making is that we as adults and, and everyone in our family that, that kind of interacted with Quinty, they were suspending their mature self and they were going along with this what would we call it? This this kind of quinty reverie and and just enjoying and laughing and letting each of their childs come out and play. So each of their childs. So, yeah, their inner <laughs> their inner child. Yeah, and and so so immaturity can have a place, and it could be fun, and it can be part of life, and and I think you kind of hit on it before though that when it's when it's conscious when we're aware of it, and when it's something that embellishes us and our personality and doesn't really impinge on anyone else, then, then that child is very, very valuable, very vital. So I think we need to ask a question right now, and that's, are we allowing ourselves to have enough fun? Are we allowing ourselves to have enough play? Because that was such a vital part of growing up. And it's still part of us. Just like you said, Quinty is an ongoing part of us right now. So, so how important is it that we allow the Quinties of the world to have a voice to become part of our lives? I like that you're using the word allowing because I think that Quinty actually acts as a permission slip for people to enjoy that part of their child, their adult child. Um, I think that a lot of times people need to be given permission to do things that are fun or silly. And it doesn't always come naturally because as we grow older, we're almost programmed to get more into like the serious aspects of life. And so it's almost like we forget about the fun and the light and the playfulness until there's some form of permission to go back there. And sometimes I think that permission can come in the form of a child in your life that when you get to play with them, like um, our, your granddaughter, my niece, um, when we get to play with her, it, I feel like it brings this lightness to, to everyone in our family in a new way. Like we're all re-experiencing the world from the child's view is, is it immature to be silly and have fun? Or is that just like a different aspect of childhood? Like if somebody is playing, do you call that immature? Well, it's a good, it's a good question. Let's answer that. Um, I mean, I'm a psychologist and that's a serious part of my life, obviously. And then there's another part of me and I'll give one example. And it's very, very different from the seriousness of the work I do. One Thanksgiving, I got this extension pole and put a rubber glove on the end of it and snuck around the corner and was tapping various family members on the neck with it, startling them. <laughs> now, that, that's a, there's a, certainly an inconsistency with the seriousness of the work I do and the silliness of taking a pole with a rubber glove on the end and tickling someone's neck. I mean, it's, you couldn't get further apart. As, as Mark Twain would say, it's like the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. They're miles <laughs> apart. So, so what do you think? I mean, silliness, that kind of playfulness, does it, it's probably not immaturity, is it? I don't think so. I think it's like the essence of life is, is that joy state. Um, so I don't know that it's actually immaturity. I almost think immaturity speaks to the 
to the inability to control your emotions and your actions. Whereas playfulness is, is not necessarily, it's just something that we forget as we grow and mature. I just thought of the four stages of, of emotional maturity that Roger Allen had researched. And he claims there are four states of maturity that people can live in. The first is at the bottom of the tier is the survival state where you're living a fear-based living. Next up would be the security state, which is where you're living out of practicality. Then comes the success state where it's like an ego-driven kind of life. And the final state is the state that we're all sort of searching for, which is the serenity state. And if you could get to the serenity state by improving your self-esteem, self-awareness, self-efficacy, if you could actually get to that state and live in it, that state is uh, love and trust-based living. So I wonder if when you get into that state where you're living your daily life from a place of love and trust, if that's the space where the child can safely reemerge. Mm, absolutely. I think that's, that's exactly what we need to be insisting on is that the child, the permissible child needs to come from that place of security and self-love. And, and, and I think that is a mature immaturity, if you will. <laughs> so, so immaturity, as, as we go on with this, immaturity has to do with not growing up mentally. Let's, let's put it that way. We're, we're still childlike in our capacity to feel like we can handle life. So if we are childlike, then we are shirking our responsibilities, our involvements. And so immature adults they're not just being silly and playing. They are, in fact, using their immaturity to try to cope with or control their deficits. Uh, the person that avoids doing bills, for example, because they can't face the fact that they, they're running out of money and, and just kicks that can down the road and, and the collection agencies start to call and now they're, they're not lifting up the phone and answering the phone. You see, that's a childlike response in that the child is saying, no, 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 I don't want to have to do this. And they just turn away from life's responsibilities. So maturity is, in a sense, not psychologically growing up, but preventing that by continuing not to grow, by continuing not to become more courageous. Now, self-trust is a muscle and it has to be built in order to trust ourselves to handle what comes around the corner. We have to practice handling what comes around the corner. So if the immature person is forever dodging responsibilities, then that person is going to continue to rely on various coping, child coping, uh, immature strategies. You know, we go back to what Dave wrote about, you know, the way he has to win every argument so we would speculate that his ego must be in a state where it's intolerable for him to feel that someone might not view him as being okay. Just like a child wants mommy and daddy, teachers to idolize them, give them the gold star, and they can't, they can't tolerate someone not loving them or someone thinking they're inferior. So the insecure person has many ways 
to deflect life by trying to wiggle out of it, and sometimes in a hostile way. I mean, not, I'm not saying David is hostile, but sometimes using hostility is an immature way of getting your way when you can't be courageous enough to handle life in a more mature way. People that explode, and especially in, in domestic violence, you know, that's, that's really the epitome of, of uh, immaturity, isn't it? Yeah, and that's also an example of someone living in that survival state. And I think when you're living in a space of where you're, where you are in a fear-based state, then even your brain, your brain chemistry is different. So I've even taught my kids that I teach in school about how sometimes when you are reacting from a space of fear or anger, your amygdala takes over, and the part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, that would typically make a a mature response or reaction is turned off. And so when that happens, there's not enough uh, awareness Mm -hmm. around your responses. So it it almost seems as though Dave is reacting from this state where he's not giving himself enough time to make, uh, to, to communicate with his wife from a place of peace and logic. It's more from an emotional place of, of fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if, if you recall, uh, Dave said that his wife said he, he acts like a baby. And, and, and I find that kind of interesting because, you know, essentially, the immature person has a lot of very primitive, childlike baby qualities. Uh, I see it in therapy. I see it oftentimes in therapy where the client, the pa- patient sitting there is is really kind of whining about handling life. You know, it's too hard. I can't do this. And and if you try to correct them and give them handles or exercises, uh, the child in them becomes even more childlike. So, you know, I see it in that regard in therapy. I also see it in 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 the clients I work with, their 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 worrisome fears, their their ruminations. And if you look at look at your own worries, for example, and you'll notice, uh, in particular, I should say, with anxiety, for example, let's let's just take anxiety. When you're anxious, do you notice how primitive that fear is? You're you're kind of looking into the future and you're expecting chaos, and you're you're worrying about, oh, is this going to be terrible? And I, I what am I going to? You might even notice a very childlike quality to those worries. So worrying, anxiety, neurosis, insecurity, all of that produces a kind of childlike primitive response. So maybe another way of saying this is that with maturity, we develop a more mature, courageous response to life where we stand tall and we handle as opposed to whining and whinging and just doing all we can to not have to take responsibility. Yeah, I would say that that's definitely true. And there's definitely some sort of resiliency piece here too, that I think is another muscle that needs to be developed. So for somebody that's, you know, struggling to find maturity, it just comes, I I would say, by taking small steps forward. So maybe paying one of your bills and just, you know, paying it on time and holding yourself accountable to small things until it becomes easier to manage mm-hmm. more and more. Yeah, resilience, that's a, that's a very important word. We, we often come back to that word. 
the resilience is is not just handling you know one challenge, but you know having the resilience to flow through life, handling challenge after challenge, because life itself will never be without challenge. It's it's part of the way it is, and you know for the for the immature person, their expectation is that you know I don't want to have challenges in my life, as if there's a magic wand, and you know they're they're in that three-year-old mentality where things can be taken away like bad things, uh, boogeymen and stuff like that. So resiliency is is just the understanding that with self-trust, what comes your way that may be challenging or threatening, that one way or another, we have the resilient attitude that we'll figure it out. You know, how many things have I solved? How many problems have I faced in the past? Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands. So the mature person real, realizes the data and says, look, I, I've, I've been through this many, many, many times. What makes me think I won't handle the next time or this challenge right now? So the mature person has perspective and they also have a tenacity to kind of believe in themselves to handle. So losing that confidence uh, is one way to, to kind of get into that child reflex. Yeah, I, I, you just said the word perspective. I was just thinking that too, because while age is not a guarantee for maturity, I think as we age, we all gain perspective. Uh, and so even though we might not be actively working on our maturity, we have new perspectives you know, each day that we live in this world. And so I, I would think, and this is something that you know, I, I learned years ago and I think about it all the time. It was in a book about mindfulness I was reading, but it the, there was a teaching that says between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And what you do at that space determines your freedom mm. or, in the, or in this case could determine your level of maturity. So being able to notice that every time something happens, there is space before you react. Um, and you can capitalize on that space by noticing it and giving yourself a moment to respond instead of just react. So, sorry. You know, I love that. I love that. The space between the stimulus and the response. You know, we have to slow things down enough, especially if you're prone to impulsivity and, and just anger or aggression. We have to slow things down and realize that we have choice. Isn't that always the case that we have to recognize that we're not victims? We always, always have choice. Mm -hmm. Always. And I think if we are to recognize any stimulus that brings up emotion in us, that those are the ones that you want to pay a spe special attention to because the mature person knows that they shouldn't make any sort of long-term or even short-term decision when there are big emotions that that are you know, arising within. Mm -hmm. So anytime that a stimulus, you know, makes you feel something intense, you want to create more space before you respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think responding uh, in an effective way, it, it does take a bit of self-control. And again, if you have adequate self-trust, you don't have to blurt out flying Dutchman. You can, you can just take your time and you can respond appropriately. So wasn't it the wandering Dutchman? What, what, what did I call it? Sorry, the flying Dutchman. <laughs> I don't know. We, we don't have time okay. to Google, Google right Sorry. now, but first thing <laughs> I'm going to do when we get off. Speaking of silly things uh, mm. and, and 
you know, the, the responding and the choices that we, we need to make. Uh, you may remember when you were, I think, I think you were in middle school and we had a, for one of your birthdays, we, we did a scavenger hunt and, and we had a, uh, a prize for those that came in. Do you remember what that prize was? Yes, but I also remember the birthday party you're talking about, and that happened for my 24th birthday party, which is actually a great example <laughs> of uh, allowing permission to be fun and silly. But I think you're talking about the road rally birthday party. Am I right? You were 24? 24. <laughs> yes, I was. And I have... I have photo evidence for you, but if you if you are talking about the road rally, yes, yes, I am. Uh, yeah, 24. because you made medals for all of us. Well, well for the winning team, mm -hmm. and the medals said maturity is an option. There you go. So even then, <laughs> even then, we were hinting that we would one day do this podcast. Maturity so. is an option, and and isn't that true? Uh, we we have a choice. If you are immature, if if Dave wants to take uh, you know credit for his immaturity, he, he has to realize he doesn't have to be immature in his responding. We have choices, but but someone like Dave, and I hate to just use Dave because I don't want to insult him, but Dave, I'm using you more in a collective sense, so please don't get offended if you're listening to this. But when someone like Dave, he needs to, and it comes down to that awareness you mentioned earlier. He needs to become, number one, he needs to become aware that his behavior is, in fact, childlike or immature. That's a big step. How does someone who's uh, unconscious of their own immaturity become conscious enough or aware enough? Now, you may not be able to answer that, and maybe we just have to speculate, but isn't that the first step that if you can't be aware of your own immaturity, then immaturity will own you? Yeah, I, I just think sometimes it takes reflection. Often people deflect instead of reflect. And, and if you just look back on an experience that you had and, and notice and think about the way you reacted or the way you responded and start to analyze it and, and figure out, is that the mature response or was there something I could have learned from, from this? So in the moment, it might not be so easy if you're programmed to react immaturely, but hmm after afterwards going back and looking at it and thinking about something you might be able to try next time. Okay. So Lauren, you just gave any person in the world that's ever been accused of you're so immature to you've just given them what they can do about it, whether they're conscious or unconscious, what they can do. The first mature thing they can do is to take a retrospective objective look at what transpired and the objective part is the hard part, but if you're willing to scrutinize as neutrally as possible, that's a great first step, because I'm sure most people have a sense that they've been acting somewhat immature or somewhat hostile, etc. But when you look at it, you know, maybe afterwards, when, when your emotions are now more intact, and, and you start to ask the questions. Now, was that an appropriate thing to say? And you, you're doing this internally. So, you know, you're, you're not feeling embarrassed to bring this out loud. But that is a great first step in developing some awareness is just not excusing the bad or immature behavior, but by kind of critically analyzing it. Right. And it's worth it's worth the time and effort because typically when you are able to communicate in a mature fashion, you are able to 
get what you want more, more, uh, more of the time than if you're not able to communicate that way. So it's, it's worth dissecting uh, your communication skills and the way you react and relate to the world, because likely if you can make subtle shifts, it'll make a big difference in you manifesting the things that you really do want. Hmm. Absolutely. Oh, excuse me a second, Lauren. Someone wants to uh, say something. Don't don't anybody listen to this podcast. It ain't any good. Thank oh, you, Quinty. Quinty. Thank you. Bye. Along. So he got a taste <laughs> of Quinty. Quinty's like that though, but that's that's the playfulness. So we're we're seesawing back and forth between inappropriate immaturity, unconscious immaturity, and and maturity with the ability to embrace some child immature qualities that are enhancing to our personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know Quinty was going to make an appearance? <laughs> I did not, but you never know when Quinty's <laughs> going to make an appearance. So you always have to be ready. Yeah. He's, he's, by the way, and, and I hate to mention this in a public forum, but you know, he's, he's, he's a bit miffed about, uh, you know, living here since you got married and um, just hanging out. So he's, you know, got to, you know, don't be surprised if he's going to clam up the next time you see him. It really is insane how you saying things like that or Quinty saying things like that can actually really make me feel guilty because <laughs> I feel like I really have raised him all these years I haven't raised him well clearly but shock and horror and what about in North Carolina North Carolina when we were stuck in traffic and I had Quinty out the window and he was waving to everybody and talking and every that's actually a perfect example of giving people permission to access their inner child so that it, like the inner child can bring lightness to a dark situation because there had been a massive accident on that on that highway so the cars were backed up for miles I think it took us hours to get out of that traffic jam but uh you know obviously everyone was miserable and then you took Quinty out of the bag and propped him on the on the driver's side window and you were he was waving and yelling out the window and talking to people and people were rolling their windows down talking back and it just sort of lightened this mood for so many people I I remember that as a child but thinking of it as an adult that's actually um medicine and I I, I'd like to think and and I, I do think that that everyone can can touch that inner child it just needs an opportunity I think everyone, everyone, even the most dour person in the world has that ability to touch that part of themselves. And, you know, Quinty, you know, he brings that out of people and, and, you know, God bless Quinty. I mean, he, he has a talent for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Quinty is magnificent. I'll tell you, he's, he's just, Quinty's your alter ego. He's just wonderful. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So, gee. Well, this is fun. I, I think I think it's okay to have some fun because these are these are difficult topics. Uh, it's it's from a psychological standpoint. I think maybe one way of looking at, at therapy is to bring about psychological maturity, because what is what is the end game of therapy to eliminate emotional struggle, and how do we do that? by developing the tools and the mature capacity to to handle and do what's necessary to traverse this oftentimes very difficult path. So uh, I don't know, have you ever thought about Lauren, what would in terms of therapy, and I know you're not a, a therapist, but 
you are a coach and you do a lot of this stuff with your mindness training. Uh, isn't the end game really the ability to get someone to, to really mature? Yeah, I think the end game is to get someone to be their own self-coach, right? <laughs> so in order to do that, you have to be mature enough to, to be able to know what to, how to motivate yourself. So what you're saying is that self-coaching uh, will make you a mature person. Actually, yes, I am saying yeah. that. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> no, but, but even the concept of self-coaching, it's exactly, you know, it won't make you, but it certainly will facilitate that because what we're talking about is taking self, yourself, and coaching yourself toward maturity. So when you have that inclination to regress and, and to look for a mommy or a daddy to do your work for you, the self-coaching gets you back in the game and says, no, you're going to handle this. You can do this. So in those moments where we tend to despair, those are the moments where you need an inner coach. Those are the moments where you can't give in to the regressive pull of impotence uh, and victimization. So to empower yourself, that's what self-coaching is all about. And so I'm glad you brought that up because that when I first even decided on self-coaching, this was back in the 90s, not the 1890s, but the 1990s. <laughs> and and I, I, I was thinking that this was before the whole coaching movement. There weren't, there weren't all these coaching, different kinds of coaching. There was just football coaching and basketball coaching. And that was the model that I used. It's just the, the, the Newt Rockney kind of, you can do it, get in there and fight, fight, fight. So it, it, this was the kind of coach that I was looking for, that inner voice of, of inciting you to mobilize your resources, the tools that you have to fight the good fight. And self-coaching, I think, is a way of training people to recognize that there is an inner coach, there is an inner capacity, but it's all about believing in yourself. It's all about accepting the fact that you are not powerless. So Self-coaching, I still, I'm still very much uh, behind the concept 100%, and I, I haven't wavered since the late 90s. And you're, you're more of, of a, a new devotee of this since you, you were born after the 90s, right, Lauren? <laughs> because <laughs> <No. laughs> your birthday went in middle school when we had that, that road rally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your time frame here is a little off, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, self-coaching definitely, it, it requires that awareness we were speaking about earlier. And so if you're able to require that of yourself, and then there's a plethora of tools that you could use once you've mastered that step of noticing becoming aware and not defensive of what's happening more curious yeah. about your reaction so there you go a few more tools brought to you by lauren simonian so lauren we're about uh, <laughs> we're about out of uh, time for today so you and i are in total agreement that maturity is a conscious raising experience it's a coaching experience it's a way of convincing ourselves not only to handle life but to handle it in a courageous way to fight that good fight all the time. Any, any closing thoughts before we tune out for this week? Closing thoughts. I... Now be mature. I know. 
Oh, I was trying. I was going to say maturity is an option, but that's not <laughs> really you, a motivating statement. <laughs> you, you still wear that medal by any chance? No, because I didn't win the road <laughs> rally. I lost on my own birthday, but I was mature enough to accept that I wasn't the best road rallier. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have any closing statements, actually. Not, see, now that's a courageous thing to say. <laughs> now, if you were immature, you would have come up with some lame thing to say, just like I'm about to do right now. <laughs> and, and and you would kind of sign off with this thing that people would be scratching. What the heck did she just say? <laughs> so, so good for you. You're a, a mature young lady. And, and I'm so delighted that you are my weekly co-host on self-coaching. So next week, La? Yes. Let's, let's come it. up with some good topics for next week. Yes, we need more questions for anyone who has a question they'd like answered. Please send it in. Absolutely. And let us end at this point on a high note and uh, visit our self-coaching website. It's selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy and check out our number one, or I should say my number one best-selling books. But I'm so used to combining everything with my daughter now. So I'm going to say it anyhow. Okay. Check out our number one best-selling books, and they're out there, now published in 10 languages. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless. You are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join us each week. Believe and let's make yourself. it simple together. For your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, life is what you make of it. Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way.